Hello and welcome to the last journalism.co.uk podcast of 2018. This year has seen our team up and down the country talking to reporters about the innovative work they've been doing, investigating the biggest trends within the media industry, and of course, keeping abreast of the must-know apps, tools and skills that journalists need to know in order to engage audiences in this digital age. It's been an exciting time for our team here in Brighton as we've had a change of editorial staff, three News Rewired digital journalism events and coverage from conferences across the globe. Stay tuned as we discuss our favourite journalism stories from 2018. special end-of-year episode of the journalism.co.uk podcast, Marcella Canova, our acting editor, and multimedia journalist Jacob Granger have joined me. So Jacob, tell us one of your highlights from 2018. When I started I was looking at quite a lot of apps and tools and things. One of them I'm pleased to say that um, I'm still using today, four months later, it's been really useful for me as a young journalist, so that's why I want to bring it up. It's an app called Mix, and essentially the idea of it but I primarily use it as a way to archive all of the stories I do with journalism.co.uk. It's as simple as a Chrome extension or an app, or you can do it through the website. So it's really useful you know, for this very podcast because I'm able to just look through, look for all the stories I've done. As soon as I've published an article, I click it, it's on, it's on my own profile. It's just a great portfolio option to have. Uh, moving into, on to another bit of tech that you yourself covered, uh, Caroline, which I thought was really good. Um, when we looked at the flash briefings with Alexa. With flash briefing, you can get news, weather, sports, and even stock information. This is your flash briefing. Today is National Recycle Day. There is 90% chance of rain. And this was a story that you covered when I was here for only about a month. Um, And as a young person listening to that, it was a bit of a light bulb moment in that I never really thought previously how uh, smart devices could really be used in journalism. And... I imagine for other young journalists listening in, they would have thought, wow, that's really that's really clever, mm-hmm. that's really insightful. And that's something practical coming out of the podcast, which they could bring into their newsrooms and something they could potentially really impress their editors with. Definitely. There's so much emerging technology going on at the moment, especially in 2018. We've really seen it kind of develop within news organisations, big and small. And flash briefings, as you just said, that's something that newsrooms can just start doing themselves you don't necessarily need a lot of money to do that you don't need a lot of equipment um, at all and something else that I picked up on this year was virtual reality and virtual reality we've seen it grown from strength to strength over the past few years Um, but the BBC VR hub they actually launched their first news documentary this year where they were exploring the water politics of the River Nile and basically the whole filming was done with a drone and a selection of stereoscopic and 360 degree cameras For thousands of years, the Nile has been at the heart of human civilization. But now the world's longest river is dividing three countries that share its life-bringing water. So it's basically a, a two-part news documentary um, and you really felt like you were there in the story, which I thought was a really nice idea, where you were in placing a range of scenarios like canyons or waterfalls. And yeah, I just thought it was a good example. And they've actually released the second one last weekend uh, where you're taking an audience member to a story itself, which which is a great way to kind of use this emerging technology to, to tell your story, I guess. And Marcella, you've been looking at new ways of engaging audiences as well, haven't you? One of the examples of using visual journalism that was really striking for me was um, an article on New York Times. Uh, so they use particular form of visual storytelling to report on sexual consent on campuses. 
and essentially what they did. So they used only text without any pictures so the reader could really concentrate on the message that was behind these revelations. Uh, they were all user-generated content, so essentially New York Times invited their readers to submit their stories. And what was really clever is that they used these snippets of text that were clear and then the rest was blurred and that gave you the sense of that blurred lines between consent and, and non-consensual sex and that was a very very uh, clever use of interactive design as you the story unfold as you scroll through the page and it really added to the the actual content of the article yeah i think when these types of stories are so visually engaging like that it really does make you sit up and listen a little bit more than what you would do if you're reading an article per se and i guess that kind of links to, to to my next story that i've picked out from this year which was a video project on female coders around the world and that was from Al Jazeera and they basically looked at how different initiatives in Peru, Tanzania and Germany are getting more women into coding and the obstacles they have to overcome and it was essentially a video game that audiences played but they were watching individual women's stories from around the world and how they got into coding um, which was called coding like a girl um, and I just thought that was a really nice way of telling these women's stories um, in a way that you don't normally see in a kind of traditional form of storytelling. So this form of interactive storytelling, the BBC took a look at this this year where they've been helping young people to better understand the disinformation ecosystem. Um, it was by BBC and it was called BBC iReporter, designed to teach young people about the benefits and pitfalls of using social media to gather information. And it was essentially a game. So the audience member logs on and they play the role of a reporter and they have to look at different information coming in as and when it happened during a story and look at whether they can publish it and whether that would mislead the audience, whether it would be a form of disinformation or misinformation. I guess it's important for everyone to understand the, imp the importance of knowing how to realise what is mis and disinformation online. So anything that news organisations can do like that to help bring awareness to the issue is a, is a great initiative. Yeah, and that reminds me of a story that I covered this year um, to do with a UK charity called The Student View, who introduced journalists into secondary schools, so pupils aged between 11 and 15, and as a way of educating them on um, the perils of social media in particular with regards to misinformation and disinformation. And the statistics, the effectiveness of this was, was quite striking. 86% of their pupils can recognise the dangers of fake news, uh, following the programme and 87 can distinguish between fact and opinion and it's great to actually see that you know journalists from the BBC, the Financial Times, the Telegraph are really interested in going into schools uh, and tackling, tackling the issue at its root which is something that we've widely discussed being something that journalism as a whole needs to do. Yeah I mean disinformation it's one of the core themes I guess that we've been writing about this year and getting your newsroom ready to fight disinformation in 2019 is something that I recently wrote about on the site um, and non-profit organisation First Draft they've they've been working to monitor different types of information disorder and Claire Wardle who, who leads First Draft she gave her key learnings at the last Google News Initiative Innovation Forum which basically said newsrooms needs to be prepared to train your newsroom in disinformation tactics and techniques in 2019 
being be responsible be responsible for yourself when you're retweeting anything online you need to make sure that you yourself as a journalist are double checking triple checking everything that you're sharing and understand the implications of a networked audience so essentially you need to understand that your audience can read something and tweet it out straight away so even if you yourself have written you know you've doubled and triple checked all your facts just be aware that your audience might not necessarily be reading everything with a mindset that understands how misinformation spreads um spreads in your newsroom so it's just about thinking ahead and being really really prepared well one of the ways uh, some publishers decided to tackle this information was to try blockchain technology that startups claim can actually help fight disinformation by the fact that any bit of article and bit of text, picture, audio, whatever that can be posted online can be tracked to the original source so no one can hide behind anonymous content or just make some kind of claim. And one of the advantages of this is also that it will help authors to get recognition they deserve, potentially share um, advertising revenue. Now, it's a fantastic idea, isn't it? Because um, uh, the idea is that blockchain can help fight censorship. So once you post something, no power, no authority will be able to take it down or to, to hide information. However, I think the problem we have in Western society, more than censorship, is disinformation precisely and my worry is that blockchain might actually help misinformation stay forever online because once you can't take it down because it's part of the chain uh, if someone makes you know a libel or if someone makes a false claim or if someone has got a libel that content will we, we just can't remove it um, so I think blockchain is really a double-edged sword and I'm very, very curious to see how this technology is going to progress within the publishing world. And hopefully we'll find out a bit more of that at News Rewind because we're discussing it then, aren't we? Absolutely. Speaking of events, um, you said at the start of the podcast that we go up and down the country to events. One of the stand-up ones that I went to this year um, was one called D-Word 3, organised by BCOMS. And it was to do with um, the levels of diversity specifically within sports media. And I did a piece reflecting, sort of amplifying a lot of the lessons from that conference. And I think the striking thing was all of the solutions, all of the things that were highlighted were informed by young delegates on the day. And there were people speaking passionately and, and showing that there is an interest in, in young audiences of, you know, addressing the, the problems in the, with regards to diversity in the media and actually organisations putting their hands up and saying, we know we can do better, tell us how. And so it was a great piece that we did just suggesting a few a few practical things that news organisations can do to better embrace diversity in the newsroom. Um, and that doesn't just have to be specifically towards sports media. Actually, these things are attributable to any journalism newsroom. Well, one of the ways how to improve diversity in the newsrooms is obviously help women, uh, women who are parents, to maintain their jobs and to progress in their jobs. And you know, one of the first articles I wrote for journalism.co.uk was an article on maternity leave. I spoke with female journalists uh, about their experience of going on maternity leave and loads of them said they felt like 
their profile just disappeared and it took them years and years to go back to the level uh, where they were in the career before they had a child. And another interesting thing is that I had a really hard time to get any information on parental leave from publishing houses and news organizations. It was not something um, news organizations were happy to talk about. So I think still a lot can be done in supporting especially women, but obviously also men in just just parenting because that's a you know year in year out that's a massive loss of talent we see women who are doing brilliantly until the age of 30 35 uh, then when they go on maternity leave the gap creates and it takes years to catch up uh, on men and that hinders their progression to senior positions so i know there is initiative of um, creating a database of all the parental leave policies in the UK, uh, in, the, in the media sector. So I'm very curious to see how that will pan out and uh, definitely that is something that we will monitor and inform our readers. Okay, so we've just had some fantastic stories that we've covered in 2018, but looking forward to 2019, let's talk about some of the skills that, that we've learned ourselves this year, some of the skills that we've heard that other journalists are working on moving into the new year. So let's kick off with Sarah Marshall, Head of Audience Growth at Vogue International, who was our keynote speaker at the last News Rewide event. She gave some fantastic tips of what they're doing in their news organisation, didn't she, Marcella? She absolutely did, Caroline. And I think the key message of her talk was it is necessary for a news organisation to innovate and to evolve. However, you still need to stay true to your DNA. Do not diverge from what your audience came in for in the first place. One of the things she implemented was a meeting schemes and dialogue between people who were meant to collaborate on project to make sure that even the sort of more junior person's voice could be heard and ideas can be implemented. And that actually boosted productivity of her team so much. Uh, the, their audience growth, and uh, now um, the team speaks 17 languages between 40 of them, so that's absolutely fantastic diversity. And that fosters creativity, boosts on the ads engagement, and helps the organization grow. The other great panel from News Wired was about uh, going beyond Facebook, and Nottingham Machine Live came and spoke at that event um, with their really innovative uh, strategy with WhatsApp. WhatsApp as a platform has had several question marks on it on, as to how organizations can break onto that platform and get their content to readers there. And the crazy thing I remember is them saying that through a broadcast strategy that their readers can sign up for, actually they've got audiences asking for content, which is completely almost unheard of in some sense. I guess all of this stuff comes down to how do we best engage with our audiences, best connect to them and speak to them where they are, you know, connecting with them on WhatsApp, being there for them in whatever language they're speaking, whatever platform they're on. And, you know, of course, on the website, we've spoken a lot this year about mobile journalism and, and the fact that everybody now is a publisher in their own right. Everybody is their own TV station and you can go out with the tools in your pocket to produce videos, produce podcasts and produce the material on the platforms, native to the platform that they're on to actually connect with them. And something that I wanted to flag up was our kind of 
focus on Instagram this year because obviously you've got the stories format which Mark Zuckerberg himself said was probably going to be the new newsfeed because everybody wants to know what everybody's doing all of the time constant updates um, so we would kind of encourage journalists to check out that on the website because there's a lot of information there on how you can use the stories format in a separate way to maybe the more traditional formats that your news organisation is using in order to connect with audiences in more of a millennial Generation Z focused way. Um, and also we've got a lot of information about podcasting and creating a news podcast. And obviously us as a team, we make a podcast every week, um, but actually monetizing a podcast, engaging wider audiences on a podcast is a lot harder than it seems. You know, it's not just a case of sitting down there and recording on a microphone. We'd love to know how you are experimenting in your news organisations. Please let us know for the next year because this is obviously an area that is developing, it is evolving over time. And yeah, it's something that we're experimenting ourselves as individual reporters at journalism.co.uk and as a team. So this is all we have time for in this week's episode of the journalism.co.uk podcast. But from us all, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Be sure to catch up with us at Journalism News on Twitter, where we'll be throughout the festive season. And we'll see you in 2019.